second straight blowout for the Charlotte Hornets, but at least it's preseason. We dive into it here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube, where you see Doug shaking his head the entire intro because it was another atrocious performance for the Hornets in as many games. The two that they've had so far was brutal. You can now add their deficit combined. It's about 70. Um, they lost by 41 against the Celtics and the final score for this one against the Indiana Pacers was 122 to 97. It was brutal, Doug, and it was brutal right from the jump. You look at their 17 points scored in the first quarter. They couldn't even get the ball past half court in the first half with James Booknight as the lead ball handler. Terry Rozier being the lead ball handler didn't do them any favors. LaMelo ball going to the bench showcased exactly what we were all afraid of. The fact that they don't have a backup point guard on this roster, especially when Dennis Smith Jr. isn't out there, but even he is more so for the defensive end than the offensive end. Yes, he's a good passer, but it looked brutal. James Booknight wasn't good. Terry Rozier, as far as running the point, LaMelo was off again, even though he had the floater working right. Like Defensively, they're allowing a ton of points. You pick what problem you want to go with because there were a lot in the second preseason game against the Pacers. Now that's two points combined. You lose by 70. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to pick you know one problem and say, yeah, that's definitely the reason why the Hornets are getting blown out in these preseason games. I think I think it's a probably a function of them not being totally prepared for this preseason after five days of, of the little mini training camp that they had and them not being functional added on to the fact that they're missing two key pieces in Gordon Hayward and Cody Martin, who do organize this team on offense and defense, missing those two pieces. Everything is just sort of dominoing at this point. I want to read this uh, quote here that I've got from James Plowright uh, at British underscore buzz quote from Clifford after the game right now, we just give so many possessions away. I mean, miscoverage, Poor technique on a closeout, a missed screen. It's these small little detail things that just, when you're a team that is talent deficient, which the Hornets are, they don't have a bunch of stars to just throw out there and make things happen. When you're like that and you miss on these detail pieces, this is the kind of thing that happens. Yeah, Doug. I I tweeted out that at, at some point in that first half, that if you just got a shot attempt up, it was a successful possession. I think you come out and you watch the Pacers and the Hornets, and there's one team that very much cares and are bringing it 110% defensively, and there's one team who's very much not. And the Pacers come out, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's Aaron Neesmith locking up James Booknight where you get an eight-second violation. I really can't even tell you the last time I've seen one, to be honest, whether it be preseason or regular season. And then you have T.J. McConnell locking up Booknight. Or Terry Rozier, you know, making sure that things are hard for him for a while. The only offense was running screens for Terry and Terry dribbling the ball to throw something up there. And there was one time he actually made a shot like that was the offense. You had a nice lob to JT Thor early on. LaMelo had the floater going. You had the one consecutive series of plays where LaMelo Ball makes a great dive for a steal. 
throws it to PJ ahead. Um, you know, he hits a three afterwards. Okay, done. I'm out of my positives. You you good? <laughs> like the, that was it. Um, yeah, like it's Nobody unfortunate. Got hurt. I mean, I could throw that in there. No one got hurt. You know, that's yeah. always uh, that's always a positive. Solid. I, I, you know, I thought I thought Lamelo looked pretty good at the beginning of this game. A lot better than he did in that game against Boston. Yeah. Uh, and was part of some of the only functional offense. I thought he had one really cool play early in this game, very mature play from the point guard, the leader of this team, giving it up in transition. It was him and P.J. and nobody else, and P.J. has been struggling, was one of seven against Boston, and had missed his first couple of shots in this game. He gives it up to P.J. in transition for an easy slam because that's your guy. Your guy needs to see it go in. Lamelo recognized that, could have easily taken the two for himself, but instead gives it up to P.J. there. I thought that was a nice play. Now, later in the game, I thought Lamelo made some particularly like out-of-character bad passes for him and by the time he had re-entered the game with the starting unit, the game was a little bit out of hand. And and so, you know, again, I just wonder if some of this stuff is leaking into the confidence or getting people frustrated and, and they are missing these details. I don't look again. You don't have Gordon. You don't have Cody. So it forces you in deeper into your reserves. And this team is not a deep team. But, but Clifford keeps running out these lineups with LaMelo or Terry plus four of the bench players, Richards, uh, Booknight, Thor, and McDaniels. And these lineups are getting eviscerated. I'm talking about like negative 20 plus minus numbers in these two games. Like they are getting absolutely decimated. And, and I don't know, and not a lot of timeouts are being called. I mean, they're kind of being left out there to do to kind of survive on their own. And I, I just don't know, like, what is, what is that doing? I mean, mix it up a little bit. I'm just, I'm just baffled at some of these decisions. Steve Clifford also said again for the second straight game that you give up a ton of easy baskets and it's hard to win when you give up a ton of easy baskets talking about just not getting back in deep on deep uh, in transition. Uh, this is exactly what James Borrego talked about last year. It's exactly what he said after the first game. And guys were challenged defensively. They challenged themselves. Kelly Oubre said the right things in media day. You know, Terry Rozier said he said the right things a few times. But at the same time, you, you still have a poor defensive effort. I, I And, you know, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Cooper put this out, who was an excellent, probably the best Pacers follow out there, put out there, Pacers are playing considerably harder than Charlotte is and because of that it's hard to analyze what exactly is going on here and so if that that's frustrating too yeah. right because if the Hornets actually put or match the effort of the Pacers then maybe you could actually have a, an idea of what to figure out now okay now we have to spend so much time figuring how much they care about preseason, you know, and yeah, like you got to figure out what's going on. You have to fit you, James Booknight can work through the point guard duties here, getting more oh, reps. God, just in a to, game. Listen, I want to do Whatever. a whole set. I got to do a whole segment on Booknight. One of the okay. second or third segment, maybe it's the second segment. I got to talk about Booknight. We got to talk about what Clifford said about Booknight after the game, what I saw in Booknight in this one. I want to, but I want to, I need to just reserve enough time to really flesh all of that out. Can I tell you? that I knew this game was over at the 5.07 mark in the first quarter. I have it written down here in my notes. By the way, you can get all my game notes on everyhornetsboxscore.com. little quick plug here on the postcast for that. Uh, but in my notes here, I have it marked down 5.07. Okay, here's what I wrote down. How do you not get back on an offensive foul call 
The Hornets were called for an offensive foul. Play was stopped, and somehow the Indiana Pacers were able to beat the Hornets <laughs> for, for an easy three-point shot. Like, how Walker, how do you not get back on a dead ball offensive foul call? I don't so understand. What, what, when Steve Clifford says this team was built to run, then there needs to be somebody that screams from anywhere on offense and then done. Well, well, I think not built to run defensively. Well, you, you have to want to run. I think this team is not built to slow down. This team is not built. There, there's not a lot of physicality. I won't name this person that texted me this, um, but, but they, they shall remain anonymous, but they texted <laughs> me. They texted me after this game and asked, like, what what strength and conditioning is happening right now? Because there were moments in this game where all five players didn't look like they had an NBA body. Like, there's just a lot – there's not a lot of physically imposing players on this team. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at guys like – I'm looking at guys like Isaiah Jackson on, on the other side of the floor. Uh, and, and there was uh, uh, Jalen uh, – oh, man, I'm forgetting his name now. Jalen Terry, I think. Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith. Yeah, no, these guys. No, yeah. What? Ter- Terry's our guy from last episode. Yeah, Tyler Terry. just found yeah, out yeah. was a person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry Taylor. Not Tyler Terry. Terry Taylor. Anyway, Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Those dudes look like NBA dudes. Like, those those are bangers. And the Hornets don't I guess have any Jackson of that. Jackson is tiny. But may- maybe. Yeah, but he's may- strong. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about height. I'm talking about just sh- strength. Like, Isaiah no, Jackson. No, no. I don't know. I said he looks like he'd hula hoop through a Cheerio, Doug. Isaiah Jackson does. It, but but maybe what's happening is that they're playing more physically than Mark Williams or somebody else. And then you're like, okay, that guy is a beast. He's Shaquille O'Neal out there. Uh, best by comparison, right? Especially the whole three-point shooting with Mason Plumley and Mark Williams comparison I just made yesterday. Maybe you're seeing that with Isaiah Jackson. Let's talk more. No, you're great. I'm looking at this guy right now. This guy, no, he would break he would break a Cheerio in Isaiah half. Isaiah Jackson? I'm just saying Look more, well, <laughs> right. that, that's reflective of what I'm seeing on the other end of the floor. Just to physically uh, impose it. Fair. You know what? That's fair. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets. I'm yet. upset. Let me be upset. Let me grieve. You're good. Gosh. No. Hey, next segment, baby. That's all for you. We have the Branson book night hot takes coming up on the Hornets podcast, but not before we talk about bet online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, even golf. You can head to the uh, you can head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Book night hot takes coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. I know a lot about the weight room. I know a lot. Ton, ton about the weight. I, I I don't I don't lift a lot of weights, uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room. I sort of. I kind of are you using that? Are you you're good? Okay, good. Okay, yeah. good. And you know, no, I stand yeah. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? Oh yeah, big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah, yeah. headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big head, these big head, these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> so I just you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Doug, I have some good news on Isaiah Jackson for you. Mm-hmm. I looked up on Twitter, Isaiah Jackson skinny. Mm-hmm. And on March 6th, 2021, Isaiah Jackson had a quote back at Kentucky, quote, I might be skinny, but I like physicality. I think the team needs a tough game where we had to go out there and play tough. That's how we have to play the rest of the season. I may be skinny, but I like physicality. So that backs you up. That's That's an NBA dude for you. I'm looking here on basketball reference. It says 6'10", 206. I, I don't know if that's that I don't know if that's dude. totally updated though. You know, we, I don't know. We were on Weight Watchers, you know, all of training camp. He might be a little bit bigger now. I don't know if this has been updated on Basketball Reference. They could have gotten the six and the O uh, transposed there. It could be six ten two sixty. I'm not sure. I will say that that's like comedically skinny though for, for looking <laughs> like an NBA dude. But he's phys- but he's physical. But he plays that's physical. The point. Yeah. Um James Booknight, man. Speaking of playing physical, any defender that saw Booknight, I feel like they were the kicker in Waterboy who was looking for their bleep and wanted to go at them. And that's what took place when he was taking the ball out of bounds, bringing up the ball up the floor. Go ahead, Doug. You wanted to talk about James Booknight. What did you want to say about him? He just simply hasn't looked good this entire preseason. Like, I've seen nothing from Booknight at this point. I mean, there there have been flashes. He had a play at the end of the game um, uh, where he delivered a nice little pass uh, to to Jalen Crutcher for an open three. Uh, but, I mean, I haven't really seen anything from Booknight that makes, me, that makes me think, wow, this player deserves to be the first person off the bench. And, again, I get it. Gordon, no Gordon, no Cody. You're probably not going to be the the actual first player off the bench, but he's gotten a lot of praise from Clifford. I'll I'll tell you what he said after the game in a moment. I'll pull it up. Um, but let me let me just kind of read you the start that Book Knight had to this game. He stepped out of bounds. He had a one on one drive and was stripped by I think it was McConnell. Then was. Pre- then the pressure D play uh, that on on McConnell. He tried to do pressure D on McConnell. That led to a goaltend bucket. Uh, then he turned over the ball, bringing it up due to the, to, uh, I think that was Matherin. I think that was your dude got the eight second call on the pressure. So like, I couldn't write a, a worse start and it didn't really get better from there. Once he came back into the game, it was just, when you're talking about giving up possessions, I thought book Knight was responsible for a majority of those missed possessions. And, and he's, he's not very strong. And it doesn't look like he's strong enough or quick enough to get to the basket effectively against even like sort of mid defenders. And that's not great because he's not shooting the basketball that well. So it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit of, honestly, I mean, it's a little bit of that Malik Monk territory where I'm going, okay, what is, what is this player supposed to do? Yeah, but the thing the thing with Book Knight coming out of college is he was awesome at getting to the rack and finishing. He was a high level scorer there. And so when you look at Book Knight here, when that's not working, the three point shot was only fallen in love with when he started hitting them in open gym sessions, when he started hitting them in workouts. It wasn't an actual NBA competition. It wasn't even in college. He was not hitting three pointers. It was all in these workouts. And once there were defenders there, they started to go down but he was a legitimately good score in college at the rim and at the free throw line but Doug I I don't think I have this wrong I, I feel like we talked about book Knight having a problem last year when he would attack somebody would just strip the basketball somebody would just swat it like th- that's the thing I like the mentality I don't necessarily think I have a problem in the half court at least um, w- with his mentality he, he does 
there was a few possessions at least where he's looking to get to the hoop and then he steps out of bounds, right? That was a play where that was that like was kind of semi-transition. Yeah. People were starting to get back and then boom, it's the right play, just steps out of bounds. And then the one McConnell play, McConnell just goes boom, all ball, you can hear it. You know, may, you're not supposed to swipe at it as much as McConnell did, but when you hit all ball, nobody's going to call a foul there and eventually it was it was I think it was a called a block on ESPN stats. Don't know if they'll switch it, but it was like that block swat steal whatever and just not being strong with the basketball enough to draw a foul or finish strong at the rim or you know just not turning it over yeah that's that's the thing with book night right now uh yeah and the problem is walker that there there is a player on the team right now that has that same kind of attack mentality but looks way more effective doing it. And so you get the side-by-side -side comparison, and that player is Bryce McGowan's, a second-rounder that the Hornets are very high on and traded up to get. Bryce McGowan's has had that same kind of attack mentality. He's just been able to actually get to the rim and convert. I've been way more impressed this preseason with Bryce McGowan's and I'm going to include Summer League. I'm going to group all of that together. been way more impressed with him than Booknight. Let me get to these comments from Clifford on James Booknight. And remember, uh, Clifford was the one that revealed that, that Booknight and him had spent some 8 a.m. film sessions together. And, and so this is not the first glowing comment that, that Cliff has had about James Booknight. But after this game, he says, I'm high on him. I know he struggled, but he was hurt all summer and hasn't played much. He has real starter talent. He delivered in college. He was drafted on potential and performance. I just what do you think of the comments? Well, yeah. what I think is we we can put them in a pile of things that we've heard this off this off season and and this training camp and put it into a pile of things that's like show me show, I just need to see it. I know you're saying it. You got I've got another quote here from James Plowright after the game. Plumley saying we've had great practices. If we didn't have great practices, I might have a different answer for you. We'll be fine. Okay, I mean, I can't see the practices. All I can see are the two, you know, as they're not showing anybody the practices. All I can see is the performance. And this is just like the, the play-in games. It's a play-in game situation all over again. It's like you have this attitude about you that we're ready, that we're confident, and you come into these situations and you don't perform. And it's not, it's at what point does it become about not, not saying it, but doing it? All right, I have something else to talk about, Bryce McGowan's. We'll do that in a moment, but coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. What a look at the minutes breakdown. McGowan's will lead us there, considering he got some playing time, and it took a while for a couple of other players to actually see the floor in this game. That's coming up next, Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get, P. Yeah, I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. brought up Bryce McGowan's Doug he was somebody that did very much so impress during the summer league session the Charlotte Hornets had now what's interesting about Bryce McGowan's is that he took a lot of shots and he missed a lot of shots in summer league but there were a couple of games where he hit quite a bit too and I think the inconsistency but also seeing the flashes from him it's what you want to see from a young player 
Book Knight gave you two of those instances last year. We all know about the Sacramento Kings game. I think he had right. one against Tw- Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, if that was the other contest that he had. But the Sacramento game, we know. It still feels like it's been few and far between. Book Knight didn't get a lot of time last year, so you have that in your saving grace category for him, saying, hey, it, this guy, <laughs> you could argue it might be somewhat of a rookie year for him too, considering how little time he saw under James Borrego, and maybe that's going to fix itself here. At the same time, they want to win, and if James Booknight isn't helping them win, they're going to try to find somebody to do so. Um, the difference between him and McGowan's, it's when they attack – Man, McGowan's went to the free throw line and shot seven of those attempts in this game. And you know what he was awesome at in college? Shooting a ton of free throws and making them. You know, that That's the thing where it's like, okay, here's a specific skill set that at least translated in this game. But he only played 11 minutes and he shot seven foul shots. He also had a good defensive play. I had my very vague, okay, McGowan's tweet. And it was because he got his hand on the ball. Um, I forget who was driving. I think it was Matherin, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, it was Duarte. Excuse me. So Duarte was was driving, and McGowan's had a good defensive play. I, he didn't look great in summer league, but you know he 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 had a couple of plays where he he's not playing soft, right? I I might say he's playing physically, you know, offensively and defensively. Yeah, man. McGowan's there's something there you don't want to get yourself too high but it's nice to see that there's something with your second round pick the Hornets thought so much of the trade up for well look it's looking more and more like there are going to be some opportunities for young players to step up and get some minutes maybe later in this season and I think McGowan's is probably at the top of my list of players who I I feel comfortable when the ball is in his hands I right now I can't say that for book night I mean that's to me I can't say that for Mark Williams who I'd love to talk about here in just a moment but I I want to just do. I want to give a shout out to Rozier, Plumley, and PJ Washington, who did manage in this tire fire to come out with positive plus minuses. I, you know, Rozier's going to be put in a tough spot until Dennis Smith Jr. was also out of this game for personal reasons. It seems like Rozier's going to be the backup point guard until that they get Dennis Smith Jr. in shape, ready to go, caught up with all the offense and all of that good stuff. And I think that it puts Rozier in a bad position. And and I thought they tried to even look at uh, Book Knight in the point guard spot and let him handle the ball a yeah. bit more. That didn't work. Um, so it, it's just a tough thing when it's a tough thing when your team doesn't have a backup point guard and, and a reliable option at center. I mean, those two things feel pretty critical to like any NBA franchise's success and the Hornets. Uh, seem to lack both of those things. I, I mean, at least again, at least uh, Plumley has the physical tools. I, I, he doesn't use them effectively all the time. Like when he took a left-handed elbow jump shot, Walker. I don't know if you said you didn't get. To, I don't know if you saw that in the second half. Well, that was that was during my transition time uh, of coming home. But yeah. yes, I, I did see did it. You on, hear about on it. the back end? Yeah, hearing sure. about it might have been enough. It, it, it might have been. You know, we talk a lot about the corner three and how you know the 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 stat geeks have have weaseled their way into the game and changed the game and found out like the most efficient shots. And now that's all anybody takes. I like that Mason Plumley is bucking the trend and saying, you know what? I'm going to take the single least effective. Not only am I going to take an elbow jumper, which no one has taken since 1987. Not only am I going to do that, I'm going to do it left-handed. <laughs> that is a big middle finger to Kurt Goldsberry. <laughs> it would have been more efficient had he shot it with his middle finger. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he may be, man. 
Um, I, I love how Rod Boone had a, a tweet out there. It was a video of Mason Plumley shooting left-handed three-point shots. And all he did was put that out there and say, is this the game we see it? <laughs> is this when we see the beast unleashed? Does he actually pull off a three-pointer with Look, his left hand? I, I'll, um, say that, I'll say this too. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not piling on Plumley. I honestly feel bad for Plumley because he gets hurt. He hurts his hand. He's got to switch up his free throws. His free throws go away. I, I mean, I think his just his confidence in his offensive game, I'm not sure that it's like completely there. And it hasn't always been this way. Like Mason Plumley had a triple-double when he was a member of the Detroit Pistons. Like he came into the Charlotte Hornets w- with a repu- reputation with of being year? like a decent offensive player. Like not a well, great – I think. I thought he got a triple double with the Hornets last year. He got really close. If he didn't, I mean, you know, it it's not. But that, that that's what I'm saying. Like it just seems like like this entire team right now, something is way way off. But um, anyway, shout out to those guys. They were positives. So let, let's take a look at the minutes logged here, just real quickly, focusing mm-hmm. on the starters. I heard Sam Farber talk a lot about this on the radio broadcast, and so I don't know if he talked with Steve Clifford. I don't know if if this was common knowledge. I don't. I don't know if he was just kind of harping on it, but he he basically said that you weren't going to see guys play more than 25 minutes in this one, um, but you did. Terry Rozier played 30. Kelly Oubre played 26. LaMelo played 27. Uh, Plumlee, 22. PJ, 23. So it's not like it was much more, but you did see Terry play 30. And I, I'm not saying that you need to rest guys. It got ugly, and so maybe you just wanted some kind of competence out there on the floor, and you're like, all right, we'll just play Terry an extra five or an extra ten. I Just just be careful with somebody that you're going to have to rely on a lot this season. But more importantly, with the minutes logged here, what I really want to look at is maybe I'm harping too much on the ten legitimate players thing Steve Clifford was talking about. You really, you really latched onto that number, ten. That's what Steve Clifford told me, so I'm going with it. You have the five starters, okay? They all log more than 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. James Booknight is the first off of the bench, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's six. You have Cody Martin, Gordon Hayward out, so that's eight. You have Dennis Smith Jr. out. You could possibly put him in there, so that's nine. But, Doug, it's JT Thor, it's Nick Richards, and it's Jalen McDaniels getting the other spots. And so not even so much trying to dwindle it down to that number of 10. But... Mark Williams ain't playing, man. Mark Williams ain't gonna play. <laughs> like he's he is so far down on this on this bench right now. And I, you know, Nick Richards got the glowing review from Steve Clifford. Jalen McDaniels, you, you gotta play Jalen uh defensively, just having a wing out there. I you you, you need wings. So um you're gonna put Everybody him out there. Everybody loves wings. Uh, wings ring wings uh win rings, baby. Uh JT Thor, you know, he goes to him kind of early. So Early, uh, I mean, early in the game, you're you're at the eight minute mark in the second quarter. Ten guys actually got minutes, and none of them were Mark Williams and and Kai Jones. Like those were the two players that didn't get any minutes. Now Mark eventually would come onto the floor. Only played eight, didn't hit a field goal, only had a couple rebounds, did have one personal foul, had a couple turnovers too. Mark Williams not bouncing back with a strong game after a, a struggle bus debut against Boston. No, and let me speak to the minutes thing. So in the when the fourth quarter opened up, so they go into the third quarter, they actually cut the deficit a little bit. They had it down to 11 at one yeah. point. Like they started when the starters came back in in the second half, they started to play like that little stretch there when the starters came back in at the beginning of the second half, they looked like a functional basketball team. I was well, starting well, to the go, thing okay. Is, 
but like, the first 90 good. seconds they looked awful and then Steve Clifford had to call yeah, a timeout. The, you're right, you're right. The defensive breakdowns it was LaMelo and Terry just letting guys through and we see we saw that all last season and and it looked <laughs> like oh here we go again. Yes, you're right. Clifford calls the timeout and then they come out and they they look really good. They start to put some offense together and some defense together. And then everything fell apart. Uh, and so in the fourth quarter, I expected them to go ahead and just bring bring all of the reserves in, including Mark Williams. But instead, Clifford stuck with Rozier plus bench. That's where those that's where that 30 minutes got piled up. And Indiana had gone to the fringe brigade. Like, uh, their, their G League players were out there. And, and Cliff almost, I don't know, to make a statement, to maybe give some confidence back to those th- that bench unit. But that bench unit continued to get decimated, despite of Jalen McDaniel's monster putback dunk. Uh, and and they ran this uh, interesting play with Rozier. I think we're going to see it plenty of times. Rozier and Thor, they run this little Thor back cut on a Rozier high screen. They ran it once at the very beginning of the game, and then they ran it at the end of the game here. So at least they, they've got some of their set offense in, and it's working. But yeah, didn't see Mark Williams till late, Walker, and... I didn't love what I saw from him again. I didn't think it was as bad as the Boston game. I thought there were a few physical plays. He had a nice little offensive rebound um, that I feel like he muscled in for. But here's my thing with with Mark. You you've either on these pick and rolls, you've he's a decent screen setter, but he either needs to roll hard or pop. He he gets into this kind of middle ground and like settles right around the elbow. And he's useless there. And, and everyone talks about how, like, oh, we got to play Mark Williams with LaMelo Ball because Mark Williams could be this big lob threat. Honestly, at this point, I'm not sure that he can be because he doesn't roll hard enough and he's not going to be where you need him to be to make that kind of thing happen. LaMelo plays quick and he delivers the ball quick. And if you're not where you need to be, LaMelo is either going to take it up himself or it's going to be a turnover. Did you just call me everybody when you said everybody wants to see LaMelo and Mark on the floor yeah. together? Is yeah, that it was you. you. Yeah, it was you. I was trying to – yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But, uh, but he's not ready to be with LaMelo. That's the whole thing. That's my point. Mark Williams is not ready to play with LaMelo Ball at this point. He's, not, he's either got to roll hard or pop. It's just – it's this middle ground that he's just absolutely useless in. Yeah, get ready because he's the only one that has a shot at doing those types of things. Well, get that's, ready. That's, yeah, you'd get ready to send them some Greensboro restaurant recommendations because at least in the early part of the season, I can't see them anywhere but in the G League. And now later in the season, if the whole season falls apart, fine. <laughs> yeah, play the rookies. Go after Wibinyama. I mean, yeah, I saw Wibinyama play. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I mean, if he was a member of the Charlotte Hornets, that would certainly change. Him or Scoot. I'll take Scoot. I'll take Wibinyama. I'll take anybody. I mean, at this that point, was, if, if that that's was, where this is going to go. That was a fun comment in yesterday's uh, show when we released that on YouTube. A lot of people saying, hey, did y'all see Wimby? All right, I'm good. We don't need to win this year. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and pair one of those guys with LaMelo and see what takes place. Well, the, the, prob- the problem com- is, yeah, problem is, Walker, they have – I know these two preseason games aren't indicative, but I am kind of with Mason. Like They, they do have a little bit too much talent to find themselves in that place. Like I – uh, you know, I, I've said we've said a lot of we, we, it was hard to be any any kind of positive after these two preseason games, but I do have a little bit of hope on the horizon, as you can see in the on the uh, text. Yeah, I didn't realize. I thought that was just like a typo. I didn't know if that was for a different show you were. No, doing, the hope yeah, is okay, that we got the some ho- hope. Cool. The hope is that you get Gordon and Cody back, and it completely fundamentally changes. I think honestly, I'm gonna say it. Oh, I think okay. whole, I, th- okay. I, I get wanting to be careful. I get it. I get the injury history, 
But holding them out, I think, has been a big mistake. Maybe hold them out the first game, but holding them out the second game, I think it's a big mistake because I think their ability to make the Hornets not waste those possessions, to be functional, I think would have done wonders for everyone's confidence. It would have dominoed in a positive direction. Instead, everything snowballed in a negative direction. It wasn't good. They lose again. And the next time, who's the next opponent for the Charlotte Hornets? The next one that they'll have on slate, pulling it up right now. It's Bo- the Boston, uh, Boston right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it'll be the third game again. That'll be at 7.30. That will be in just a couple of days at that'll 7.30. Be on TV. That'll be at home, too. What a concept. It's on. Well, I think that's the Greensboro game, the Greensboro Coliseum. Yep. So I guess technically a home game for the Hornets. But what do you know? They're putting it on TV. I had to watch. I watched the watched it on NBA League Pass. The uh, the broadcast quality was was not very good, and it had League Pass branding. It reminded me of the Rob Lowe picture where he's wearing the NFL hat. Yeah. Like I'm watching an NBA League Pass game, and the branding is all NBA League Pass. But I had to listen to these Pacers radio announcers, who are generally pretty good. They they were they were as as in terms of whole, the other team's announcers, they were they were fine. But they did have one moment where they were talking about all of the Ball brothers. Because Leangelo had just checked into the game, right? And then one of the announcers mentioned that Lonzo Ball has an injury. And the other announcer was trying to say, well, that might be bad news for the Bulls. But instead, he says, uh, that's going to hurt the balls a little bit. Yeah. And look, it does, sure. it's dangerous territory. And he stepped right on the mine. He said, that's going to hurt the balls a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hopefully, hopefully those balls are okay. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, appreciate you making this your first listen, too. Feel free to catch us anywhere you get your pods. Also, you can catch Locked On NBA anywhere you get your pods, too. It's a daily minute. It's a daily 30-minute update on everything taking place within the association. So, again, wherever you get them, that includes YouTube as well. Nick Angstat should be releasing the video and the pod that I did with Tony East, a couple of other Locked On Podcast Network hosts on the play-in hopeful category. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Have a great rest of your day. we got one more show for the week for you tomorrow.